0: The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Backbone Planning Partners is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Now let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's tycoons.
1: Good afternoon tycoons and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from the Backbone Planning Partners offices in Las Vegas, Nevada. If this is the first time that you're listening to Tycoons of Small Biz and you're wondering what it is that we do here, we are a podcast that's put together by small business owners for small business owners. Landon and I own a business together. We've got other partners in the in the program as well that own small businesses. And we believe that the backbone of the American economy is the, ba- is the small business owner throughout our country. And so in May of 2020, we decided what better time than to start a podcast that highlights small businesses throughout the country. We call it Tycoons of Small Biz because we believe that there are business leaders inside of small businesses that we would put up against any business leader throughout the country. And we definitely have a tycoon on the program today with us. Today we've got Scott Scarano coming to us live from Raleigh, North Carolina. Scott, welcome to the show. Live
2: and direct. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, you bet. So Scott, I typically don't do this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read your bio because I found it so compelling. So Scott, first of all, is the president of Paget Business Services in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I've just got to read this word for word because I thought it was very well written and, uh, and very indicative of the Scott Scarano that I've come to know over the last month or so. So it says, Scott Scarano is an eccentric entrepreneur with the heart of a lion and the soul of a house cat. Scott loves approaching problems from a different perspective and analyzing sc- solutions. Scott's why is empowering all growth minded entrepreneurs in his reach to thrive and prosper. Scott's pageant team is filled with passionate advisors with unique personalities who share the same virtues of empathy and integrity in everything they do. Scott did the school thing and has the credentials, but his real value comes from his questioning mind and grit to push through any adversity. Scott lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, bleeds Carolina blue, and dedicates himself to his astonishing wife, Juana, and three surprisingly intelligent kids, Julia, Frankie, and Aria. And Scott loves weed, <laughs> so I found that a very interesting, compelling, humorous, but uh I don't know u- unique bio, I guess, is the way that I would put it so what what uh, what's your response to that Scott? A Good
2: friend of mine wrote it for me early last year. I needed a bio for something. forgot what it was, and she wrote it. She said, "I'll write it for you." and um, I liked it a lot, so I chopped it up and put it in my LinkedIn too. I uh, I feel like I need to update parts of it, though. I feel like my mo- my why is shifting a little bit. You know, yeah. my what drives me, what keeps me up at night, what wakes me up in the morning, which I'm not really a morning person. But yeah, I mean, that shifts over time, I believe. I mean, at its core, I'm the same person. But what I'm driven by, what motivates me and all that has kind of shifted over time.
1: Yeah. Well, so let's back up a little bit and before we jump into the business side of things and what really drives you today, and, and maybe the answer is kind of in the same, in the same vein here, but, you know, we, we read the bio, it talks about your wife, Juana, and your three kids, Julia, Frankie, and Aria, but tell us a little bit about you personally. Where did you grow up? I mean, you said you did the the school thing and that you have the credentials, but tell us a little bit about that. What, what was it like to grow up as Scott and, and kind of what led you to, uh, to starting, you know, getting involved with
2: badget. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always kind of questioned everything growing up, but, but most of it was questioning authority or questioning what I could or couldn't do and pushing the limits. Um, you know, I'd say I had a pretty normal like suburban childhood growing up. My parents moved from New York down to Cary, North Carolina, which is right next to Raleigh. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was high school was not normal because we were the you know this is a growing area so brand new high school we were the first graduating class from that high school so i never had any upperclassmen which maybe is part of why i always question things and question authority because i never had any upperclassmen in the way like we, which was a great thing for us i mean as as far as like the first graduating senior class nobody stepped on us but really boosted our egos in certain ways so You know, you feel like a king of the high school, king of the world kind of thing. Um, I go to college with the intent to become an accountant, do accounting. And somewhere along there, I lost my way, started selling drugs. I was at Carolina. I was doing very good in school, but also making a lot of money. I started my own business outside of that, learning a lot about the business world, inventory, distribution, those kind of things. I got caught doing that. Well during that time too I did switch my major I shifted over to screenwriting and I had a TV show on the t- television network and I was doing a lot of these creative things then that are now you know coming back now um after about you know 15 years this was back in like 2003 2004 years got caught got kicked out of school almost went to prison for a long time did not uh, and went back to a different school, finished my accounting degree, and went and did this. I mean, it's you know I own the business now, but you know started working at different cPA firms and understanding that I can't get a big corporate job because I have felony, so that was that was kind of hard, but it made me a little bit more entrepreneurial and hustled a little bit harder at a younger age. so I'm burnt out now. <laughs> I'm done with the accounting thing now I want to do other stuff and that's why I do a podcast. That's why I do all other, you know, things, and got my creative juices flowing when I do those things more so than I than I have at my firm. Um, I'm somebody that doesn't really work well with balance. I go really hard in one direction or another, and I kind of embrace that sometimes. I try to find balance in other areas and other ways, but
1: yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean. You got in trouble, right? I mean, you were being entrepreneurial, like you said, but you were doing something that at that point was illegal. Now you can do it legally.
2: No, you can't. Not with cocaine.
1: Oh, <laughs> Definitely cocaine. <not>. okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, with cocaine, no, for sure not. So, what what would you tell us is the biggest lesson, I guess, that you learned from that? What What changed for you in your life that that made you who you are today?
2: Oh. I mean, I, I learned a lot of lessons. I don't really regret any of it either. It's I, I probably would regret it more if it didn't if things didn't turn out okay. But you know, through everything that I did, you know, I kind of scarred myself or branded myself with different things. But it, you know, creates you know, one door closes another door opens. So it's I. But like I said, I kind of learned a lot about business, not at business school, but in real life. You know, I learned about sales. I learned about how to keep my margins higher. You know, I learned about pricing things with different options, giving different options for the customer and options that work out for the business in all different directions. Um, learned about working, you know, and and procurement or you know <laughs> obtaining inventory and you know. So I guess I learned a lot about business. I wouldn't say I was a tycoon by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I felt like a pretty big person on campus, you know, so it gave me a lot of confidence in other areas and in other ways. It was, again, it was a lot. I <laughs> mean, I don't want to glorify any of this is none of it. Is, I would, you know, I would definitely say, don't do that. I'm not saying that I don't regret it because it was a great thing. It was terrible, you know, stuff I did or what I did. I just, I feel like I never really heard anybody directly. I never really was doing anything to anybody they wouldn't already do already in other places. I wasn't ever like um, the kind of person that would cheat anybody out of anything. I always wanted to make sure everybody was happy around me. And so it kind of gravitated because I was somebody who kind of pushed the boundaries or broke the rules. I was gravitated toward having fun in, in a lot of ways. Everybody being happy. I never wanted anybody to be upset, mad, sad, or anything like that. Everybody's got to be happy around me. That was those days. I mean, I yeah, like I said, I learned a lot from it. But yeah, I mean... You know, I still never went and got my CPA because that was another hill to climb, but I was able to get my EA. You know, I had to write a letter to make sure I could get approved still after I took the test and I had to, you know, show show my signs of my moral character these days in order to get a license and designation. But otherwise, you know, it kind of... I just started really openly talking about it like last year. It was always just something that was hidden in my past. Uh, it's not not like it was that easy back in early 2000s to look something up and, you know, social media was just coming out. Then I was, you know, we had an invite only at UNC Chapel Hill because we were one of like the five colleges that first had Facebook. So we were just testing that stuff out and it wasn't really as prevalent as it is now, so to speak. My childhood is obviously a lot different than my kids because everything they do, everybody can see, but nobody cares anymore. You know, everybody can see everything Nobody cares about anything but themselves and <laughs> just looking at their own shit. So that's one thing to kind of keep it in perspective too, is, is, does it even matter?
1: You know, there's a couple of different ways it could go, right? I mean, obviously people could judge you for it and that's a risk that you're, you know, that you've chosen to take, but it, it can also be empowering to a certain extent to, to just kind of admit to, you know, yeah, I made a mistake. I I did some things. I I learned some really good lessons along the way, but, you know, I did some things that got me in trouble and, and made my life different um, or for me to have to do things differently than many others would. Right. I mean, most, yeah. most people coming out of an accounting program, they're going to go work for one of the big five or big four accounting firms and, you know, build a career that way. And that wasn't really an option for you with that background. And so it, it taught you to be more gritty, I guess, and to to handle things differently.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point too, because it was I always found different solutions for things. If everybody was doing something one way, there's gotta be a better way. Especially if it's been they've been doing it this way for so long, you know, and haven't explored any other options. So that's what kind of set us apart within the franchise that I'm involved in. That's what kind of set me apart, you know, in, in my business and, and just uh to our clients, you know, oh you're doing it this way. I'd never seen an accountant do that. I mean, or, you know, it's just, uh, kind of thinking differently has, has served me well in the past. So I, I don't really question that, you know, if people question, like it it used, I used to be like, well, if everybody says that's a stupid idea or that's not going to work, I used to kind of question it and stifle it sometimes, but now I kind of lean in and then I find out the hard way if something's not going to work or if it is.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, what led you to accounting to begin with? I mean, was mom or dad an accountant, or you just were always drawn mm, to numbers? What kind I of I
2: think you, you should know the answer to that if you know the name of my podcast, right? Sons of CPAs. <laughs> so, That's where I
1: was going. I was going to let you know yeah,
2: that. Here if, yeah, leading the horse to the water. My grandfather was a CPA. He had his own CPA firm. And I, I always just kind of grew up knowing that my dad. CPA, my grandfather. My dad doesn't really practice anymore. He stopped practicing when I was younger because he took on my grandfather's software arm of his firm where he's developing software for nonprofits accounting. And my dad took more of a liking to that world than he did to the accounting. So my dad never had his own practice or anything like that. Um, he doesn't even have a license anymore. I mean, he, he doesn't keep it active. So and I obviously I never even got my CPA because there we go, I took a different path. But yeah, that's that's kind of what got me into it. And it's always came very easy to me, math and, and all of that stuff. I'm not very good at regular math. I can't do certain multiplications without a calculator. And I can't do simple stuff, but analytically and complex things usually come easy to me. Um I got a mind for numbers and colors and not so much for words. So that's why I had somebody else write my bio for me, right? <laughs> I know what I like, and I know it sounds good, but I usually can't. I mean, I've been really pushing myself this year because I'm trying to write a rap. So I wrote a rap already, and I, and I kind of like it. It's getting a little bit better. I'm tweaking it, I'm trying to push the words thing a little bit more because of that creative side,
1: you know, I got that itch. Well, so that you hit on something that's, I think, a little bit unique for you because you're, you know, let's let's be honest, you're a a mid 30 year old white male, Mm -hmm. but you have a big love for rap and hip hop music. So let's talk about that a little bit. What what got you started there?
2: My suburban upbringing, you know, I grew up listening to (laughs) rap. That's all I listened to growing up hip hop. I know that's come up in our conversations once or twice. I don't know how it always comes up, but obviously like that's just, it. and I love all music. Don't get me wrong. I love all music, whatever it is. But I guess I just took a real liking to hip hop and maybe it's because, and, and it's certain types too, right? Like, you know, I like when they're throwing a lot of words at me and I got to pay attention. And that's just something that's like uh, fascinates me, the wordplay and the poetry and the ph- philosophy that you can get out of a lot of good hip-hop. They're the truth speakers. They are the poets of modern day. They're modern day philosophers. Um, and you get that with other music too, Bob Dylan and other types. But I think, um, you know, it's, I get it I get it with the chili peppers. You know, there's, there's certain things that resonate, but I think in, in most cases, it's the right hip-hop that gets me going. Um, so I'm rewriting a rap. I'm not necessarily doing anything original at all. But I the one that I did write, I took an old outcast song from nineties, AT Aliens, and I rewrote it as CP Aliens. So <laughs> um,
1: is, is that gonna be the intro or the outro music for Sons of CPAs? Your that's
2: definitely gonna be something. It might be its own podcast or or something. I'm not sure. Right now I'm gonna start using it if I I'm doing different speaking things at accounting conferences. I think I'm gonna use that as like the intro to whatever um, I end up doing. If I can, if I can get myself to record it, see the hard thing is I could put it on paper. Now I actually got to gotta perform it and that's not going to be easy if I've never done that before. So,
1: yeah, well, it definitely, it definitely makes you memorable. I'll tell you, I was at, uh, at a conference and probably I'll bet you it was the beginning of 2009 and I had just started working for an organization. They were a life insurance brokerage. They did some investments as well. They had a national sales conference, and they have every year. They had a presentation contest. So you get up and make some sort of a presentation, and there was a contest to see who you know who won the contest when when it ultimately came down to it. And, And the year before I had started to work, I had heard that last, the prior year's theme was American Idol. And that was, you know, back when American Idol was just really kind of getting going and it was big and everybody watched it and, you know, Kelly Clarkson and all that kind of stuff. But I got up there and as soon as I set foot on stage, the music started playing to Sweet Home Alabama. And I sang the whole first verse of Sweet Home Alabama and then finally had them cut the music and made some joke about, oh, I, I got the message wrong. That was last year's theme, you know, whatever. And then I went right into my sales presentation. And to this day, I mean, I, I haven't worked there in years, but I still have contact with a lot of people that I worked with there. They talk about that because it is memorable. You do something that's a spin on whatever music or art or something that's unique, but you still get across a really good message for your business side of things. It, it makes it memorable and people remember it.
2: Sounds like uh, John Garrett has the What's Your And podcast. And and he always, his, his story is always, um, you know, that he did stand up while he was working at KPMG or one of the EY, one of those. And everybody remembered him for the stand up, not for anything else that he did. So it's always the other things that you do to make you stand out or unique. I never really put it into that context. I always just wanted to do it just for me. So, and I feel like that that tends to always come out better if you do something for yourself than to for anything in particular. So,
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it definitely, it means more to you. And I think it's, you know, I think all of us need some sort of an outlet that's different than what we do professionally, right? And I think you're seeing that yourself, even, you know, you mentioned where you're, you're bored, or you may have used a different word, but you know, with with Paget, you know, you you're finding yourself to be more passionate about other things right now. You've built a great business, you went all in, you really worked hard and built up this great business, but now your, you know, your heart's kind of not in it, so to speak, and so you're finding other outlets. But as an entrepreneur, you're only able to do that if you build the structure in a way that allows you to not have to be there involved in the day-to-day every day, because you've got great people that are running the practice for
2: you. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and one thing I've started to learn about myself is I can't ever do anything, even if it's a hobby, if I don't see a path to making money doing it. I've always, always, always had little businesses. i mowed lawns when I was growing up. I sold CDs. I sold cocaine, I sold marijuana, I sold different drugs. Uh, anything that I did as a hobby or for fun, I found ways to make money doing it. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it's why I try to bleed those worlds together and, and try to make it one. Like if I want to do something on the side, that's what I want to be my thing if I really like it, you know, or or vice versa. You know, it's, I don't mind accounting. I kind of like that. But because I'm not actually doing it, I am so disinterested in it because I'm, um, so far removed. So if I was doing it, I, I, I didn't mind doing it. I liked it. I mean, I like doing the taxes. I like doing the accounting because everything had to make sense. The numbers belong in a certain place. But then as I started running the business, that doesn't really interest me. Like, yes, it's great. The business part of it, running a successful business, but I'm not involved in the end results. I don't care as much, um, I guess. So I don't know. I don't know if that tracks, but
1: yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense to me. I mean, I think it's, I think it's different. You enjoy the, the accounting part, right. To where everything adds up and you're providing good advice and you're helping people to finalize that tax preparation or their bookkeeping or whatever. And you're able to kind of check it off, but you're not You're not as passionate about running the actual business, building it, taking care of the HR stuff, making sure that, you know, everything's in in line from a business standpoint, you're paying your taxes, the insurance is being paid, you know, all those kinds of things. You're just less, less passionate about than helping people's financial lives make sense.
2: Yeah. When I was directly connected to the business owners, that was my passion. That's what I cared about. But I'm so far removed now. The only thing that comes up are bad things. You know, when somebody screwed something up, you know, if it's if it's something the management team can't handle, and it finally gets to me, it's like, all right, if that's the only thing you're seeing, then, you know, for to me, it's like I, I'm running away uh, almost. And I, I, I'm a t- little too open about that because I'm not really running away. I mean, things are still going well, and I want them to run on their own. Um, I think that's sustainable too. If I if I have things that I'm paying attention to. But I can't be straddling two things. That's that's one thing as well. You know, it's kind of hard to straddle both ends of that uh, for me because I don't have any balance, right? I'm either all in on something or I'm I'm, I'm a one or a zero. Yeah, it comes to that, it's very binary. Yeah, I'm not bimodal. I'm binary.
1: Yeah. So you know, you you mentioned earlier when you switched majors, right, for a while there, and you switched to screen screenwriting. It reminded me. of of an interview that I listened to a while back, a couple weeks ago. So Lincoln Financial Group is is who Landon and I affiliate with as our broker dealer or our attachment to a FINRA or an SEC firm, right? So we own our own practice, but that's who we're connected with. Well, Lincoln Financial Group is is going to be having a new CEO come on board for the first time in, in quite a while. So the current CEO is stepping down, becoming chairman of the board, new CEOs coming in. She's a female. She's been with Lincoln for about 10 years. But she, when she started college, she went to Temple University in Philadelphia for performance ballet. And then maybe one year in, she she was good at ballet. She enjoyed it, but she wasn't super passionate about it. She walked across campus, ends up walking into and changing her major completely from performance ballet to actuarial sciences. Like that just, you know, that seems to me like accounting screenwriting performance ballet, actuarial sciences, like completely opposite ends of the spectrum.
2: She was at the right place at the right time and at the right lecture and the right topic to be passionate about that. You know I mean? It's, it is what it is. Like it, There's probably definitely a deep rooted subconscious reason why she was drawn to that. And I feel like for me, that's because of the difference in my parents. Like my mom has always been the creative side. She always wants, you know, she always has some side thing that she's doing right now. It was called Boomer Buds and now it's Boho Botanicals or something. She's doing CBD type stuff now. You know, she's always about the entrepreneur things and, you know, she always had the creative side of all of my the software business and the and everything and that's you know that's half of me. And then my dad was a CPA, you know, and he's uh you know, so it's kind of like um I'm the product of both of those mm-hmm. and they're both built into me. And as I get older and as I do more things, I see more and more of both of them in me. And and they're definitely opposites, right? The yin and the yang, you know, a successful partnership, a successful marriage, a successful anything, friendship. Is always two people that are bringing different things to the table from different sides of the room.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's that's a fair statement, and you know, not something I've thought about in a while. But you know, I'm I'm a parent. You're a parent. You've got three kids. You're just you're just still pretty young compared to mine. Um, you know, but my my oldest just turned 22. My youngest is about to turn 19. And it's been interesting to watch them through their high school and now college years and see kind of what they gravitate to, what they're good at, because my wife and I are very different people as well. My wife is not a math person. My wife, you know, is not a science person. My wife has a degree in history and she loves history. She loves research. She loves to write. She loves, you know, all those types of things. And so, you know, we can sit there and watch game shows, for example, together and we can get all the questions right, but she gets some right and I get some right because combined we're a really strong team, but uh separately we all have you know areas that we're lacking in and we have completely different interests.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of especially younger or people that just don't really know or tend to be a lot very attracted or are not attracted to people that are like them. Um that's really where the passion and the fire is, and then you realize, you know, you're most suited to be with somebody that's not like you at all me and my wife couldn't be more opposite in every way but it works very well uh in the house you know and together as a as a partners so i like that that's a that's a good that's a good point like the trivia type things when you have a group of people you want to get people that are definitely bringing something else to the table
1: yeah yeah you definitely want a well-rounded team for sure so you don't need a bunch of accountants going to trivia night together
2: hmm Depends on the trivia. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so talk to us about Sons of CPAs. Tell yeah, how long you've been doing it? What is it that you're that you're hoping to accomplish with Sons of CPAs?
2: Uh, I just want attention. That's all. <laughs> That's all I want. I just want people to pay attention to me. You know, as I always wanted when I was a kid. Every now, I mean, I think in the beginning we started doing it because a good friend of mine has his own. You know, he's his. It's his dad's CPA firm. To be fair, you know, he kind of runs it. He changed it a lot when he came on, but it's his dad' firm. They're, they're a lot bigger than us, but good friend of mine. And we, he's in uh, the Charlotte, North Carolina area or South Carolina. I'm here, so we kind of bring a unique perspective. Um, I'm half Jewish. He's Jewish, so there's that part of it too. There's we're both accountants, but we couldn't be more different in every way. We got similar simmer essentially of humor. And th- I had two friends, actually, Early it was, this was January, it was like November of 2020. Um, and one of them wanted to do a podcast with me. But one thing he said to me, he said, we can't curse on there. We got to keep it clean. And I took note. I was like, all right. And the other one, the one that I ended up doing with, he said, the one thing he stipulation he said was, we have to curse. Like we have to keep it real. That's Ackerman. That's the one I ended up doing the podcast with he, my co-host still is, but I have a lot of different co-hosts now. So this has turned into something a little bit bigger than just that. He wanted to just be like, you know, us talking about stuff. And then I always like, I, I was hungry to learn about this. I kept bringing on different guests. And, you know, I think our main goal was to question the industry, question everything and try to move the accounting industry forward because it's still pretty archaic. Um, so that's our audience. That's what we, you know, focused on, but I'm all over the place. And I started to learn more and more about myself as I was doing this podcast. And I was doing all the editing, spending maybe four hours, every, every episode, which turned into like eight hours, every episode, and just over, analyzing all of it, trying to make it really good. The conversations got better over time, but you know, we're, what we're really aiming to do is to question the industry and move the industry forward. And it's I think we're starting to do that. And people are starting to find the podcast on their own, say how much they like it. our, Our listener base is growing. And obviously, I like all of that stuff. Like people reaching out to me to do different speaking things. And now we have a lot of sponsors. I have another sales position now where I'm working with another podcast creator. And we have a network of podcasts that we're kind of working with now too, all within the accounting industry. So it's like as much as I try to run away from it, It keeps following me in everything I do. So I'm embracing that. You know, I I could have my firm, I could not have my firm, but I'm still gonna be deeply rooted and engaged in the accounting community because that's what I know. You know, so if I do rap stuff, it's gonna be CP aliens, it's gonna be different um, you know, different parodies of different old songs and the take on it in the accounting world, you know. So it's a very niche Venn diagram of accountants. And people that listen to rap or like rap is very small. So I don't think, you know, it's going to be anything that great. You're not going to hear that shit on the radio. But, you know, if you're in that accounting world, maybe you know what it is.
1: Well, yeah, I think there's a lot more that I want to talk to you about with that podcast. But let's take a a quick break here real quick and we'll hear a call to action for our listeners and then we'll jump back in. Please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now, back to today's program.
2: Good idea. I should do that too. Ask for. I don't ever ask for followers or anything like that. I, I should, but I don't. I don't ever ask for anything of the listeners except to listen.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I tell you, there are things that we've learned along the way. We're coming up on our 100th episode. I don't know how many episodes you guys have dropped so far, but you learn you learn with each episode what to do differently. And, you know, the podcast hopefully gets better over time. I'm sure if I went back and listened to the first episode, I would be, you know, embarrassed at how it sounded and how it how it came off compared to the way that it sounds today. So, you know, it's, it's a constant learning with everything, right?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah um yeah now i'm promoting everybody else i don't even promote our own stuff i figure you know but yeah i mean it's our audio has gotten a bit better i care a lot about the audio now i didn't really even know the difference now when i listen to things i'm just like i can't listen to this this audio is terrible so
1: yeah yeah it makes a difference for sure so tell us a little bit more about what it is that you've got going on now because you you mentioned you know you started doing some sales with these other podcasts and they're all accounting related podcasts and so just tell us a little bit more about what it is that you're doing and how how you guys are doing that in the podcasting world and then and then we'll circle back and talk about, you know, the accounting industry and where where you think it needs to go from here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um earmark CPE new company friend of mine started back in January of this year, you know, officially launched. You can get continuing education for listening to podcasts. And I knew he had something, you know, as a, something special there. There's a lot of podcasts on that network now and a lot of listeners, a lot of people engaged because they know what we're, what he's, you know, we're trying to just continue to move the industry forward and do something that's not really been done before. So hosting a lot of different shows on the network. Get, getting CPE for that. Right now, my involvement is just head of sales. So I'm selling ads from sponsors to place in different podcasts, also doing channel sales. So, creators, if they want their podcast on there and they want us to do the question creation and keep it on the network, you know, just a monthly subscription for that kind of stuff. And then eventually, um, premium subscriptions for firms to get all of their employees on there. And then, you know, they can set up education portals for their employees to, you know, here's the podcast that we want you to listen to and get your CPE on. So it's just continuing education. So just continuing to move things forward.
1: So how does that work then? After they listen to the podcast, do they have to log in somewhere, answer some questions? How do they verify that they that they listened to it, right? Because a webinar, I know there's tracking and obviously in person is the way that it used to be done. So how how does that uh, portion of it work?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, So when they open up the app, download Earmark CP, Earmark app on your iPhone or Android, open up the app and then pick the course that you want. And then it, it leads you to the course. So whether it's a podcast or even sometimes we have YouTube stuff on there, watch it. And then you go back and then you, the questions, so it's a series of um, informational questions first, and then you know three to five questions that you got to get right in order to pass. And if you get you know eighty percent or above or something like that, then you um, get your CPE credit for that. You know, so you're so we're working on offering a little more expanded of uh, you know ethics. That's the big one. Everybody needs their ethics, so that's going to be a premium offering eventually. There's no ethics on there currently. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. You know, once you get the app and then set that up, just kind of go in there and answer the questions after you've listened to a pod. And if it's something that you already listened to, um, just go in there and check the box that you listened to it and then answer the questions.
1: Well, I mean, I think that that's a a big step forward for the accounting industry, right? Because I mean, so I've got to do continuing education for my CFP. I've also got to do it for um, you know, insurance licenses, for example, and securities licenses. And usually I could take one course and have it count for, you know, all of the different designations that I have, et cetera, but we're still not to that point. I mean, I I have taught CPE classes via webinar and in person for CPAs. It has been difficult to come by in the past, right? And, and mm-hmm. everybody kind of puts it off till the last minute and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got to get 12 hours before this date. And they're trying to you know, cram them in. And so we would go into CPA firms and bring in lunch and we would teach, you know,
2: lunch teach CPA. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see that they're going that direction. I wonder if they're doing that in our industry too. And I just am not aware of it yet, but that's, you know, well. that's kind of unique for the accounting industry
2: trying to build some awareness for it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a growing thing and it's, I think, I think this is here to stay, you know, to be able to listen to something and then get your education. Cause that's like audio books, like anything else. A lot of people listen to podcasts. Yeah, A lot of people listen to their stuff. That's what I do. And I like to go on a walk with my headphones on and listen to something less distractions.
1: Yep. I do the same thing. It's either a podcast or a book on audible that I'm listening to when I'm exercising and, (laughs) it's just it's a good way to get some information in and kind of uh <laughs> take the focus off of the pain that you're putting your physical body through at the time tell us a little bit about you know kind of what you, what you think about the accounting industry right so the insurance industry is another one of those industries that i think is kind of slow to change slow to adopt certain things that's the way it's always been so to speak so talk to us about that on the accounting side like what what is it that you think has been done a certain way forever and needs to change and and maybe some ideas that you have to change that going forward.
2: Yeah, I mean the accounting industry is very interesting animal because you're dealing with the I mean, like any other regulatory, you've got on the accounting side a lot of a lot of banks that are kind of holding the cards for a lot of financial information. And so when it comes to bookkeeping and accounting and automating that, that was kind of hard to corral All of that into one place. And there's platforms like Zero. QuickBooks is doing it now too that can actually feed all that information in. I know you guys are using a platform that does something similar where you're connecting all these different institutional accounts, pulling it into one place and continuing to update that feed. So you know, you answered a question and I went very hyper specific, like any old accountant would do. I'm I'm just I'm an accountant at heart and go dive into the details. Right. So, so you got a lot of regulatory industries and, and institutions Uh, on the other side of it, the tax side, you've got a very, very, very complex body of laws. That's governing how we do things. And then you have the IRS, which is stuck in the sixties. So it's very hard. And, you know, outside of just an accounting firm or CPA firm to update things because you know you, you don't even know what's coming next and, and you gotta fax the IRS and you got to deal with this bank who's asking for something that's very archaic and they don't you know and they need it, you know, handwritten and paper. Like it's just so so you're dealing with all these external forces. And then internally you've got a generational shift that's kind of happening right now too where a lot of boomer uh, age are kind of retiring, skipped over Generation X to to a degree. And now you have a lot of millennials that want to do things their own way. And either they're just doing it on their own and there's just no synergy there too between generations. So you have a lot of firms that are doing things their own way in their own silo and very traditionally old school. And then you have people that are just kind of wild west doing it however they want you know, just kind of throwing things around, um, you know, they don't even care what the end product looks like. And they're just, you know, trying to get it quick and dirty as they can. And you don't see, I mean, you got some middle ground, but it's a, there's a pretty, pretty big disparity across the whole industry. And there's no central governing board really. I mean, you got the IRS and you've got, you know, the AICPA and you've got EAs out there. And then you have people that are not even licensed to do anything. And so they're just kind of, you know, doing books because they learned how at the, at their fraternity, you know, and then now they're, and not, not fraternity, but all different things. They're all different types out there. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a lot of opportunity right now and a lot of potential to automate, to get people on the same page. But, you know, the, these days, the biggest argument I hear is is people keeping up with time. You know, you have people tracking their time or billing on time. Everybody's talking about time and, you know, this time and prices and everything else. And I think that's that's obviously the kind of the next step is to coming to some form of consensus on what's the right way to do things. There is really no right way, right or wrong way. There's just what ways work best for you or for... Your firm or for your practice. And then there's every other way that it's just kind of just a lot of, you know, the world's a lot flatter now, too, ever since the internet and people are vastly, you know, from vastly different parts of the world are connected. So we are starting to converge a little bit on our thoughts and our theories because of social media, because of all these other, you know, different ways of connecting people and connecting ideas that you don't have as many silos of people in you know, d- different parts of the world that are thinking the same way because they're paying attention to the same things. Yeah. So um, I think there's a lot of hope for the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, that leads to, you know, the metaverse and Web 3.0 talking there, right? I mean, you're talking about how there is that linear or, you know, the flatter world everybody has is more connected than they've ever been globally. And we had a guest on the program probably a month or so ago, maybe a little longer than that. And he owns a construction firm, general contractor, commercial builder, basically. Um, And everybody thought, you know, he was going to come in and talk about what the commercial, you know, building industry is going to look like what should we worry about from a real estate standpoint is it, are we going to go into a recession or you know covid had everybody moving out of their offices everybody expected him to talk about that and instead he talked about where construction can go and will go over the next 20 years because of the metaverse and web 3.0 technology and he he gave this example of you know in in Arizona we do a lot of construction in the middle of the night because it's so hot during the summer that the construction guys are out there in the middle of the night to be able to deal with the temperatures. And so, you know, he gave this, he gave this example of say you've got a laborer who's working on something and his first language is Spanish, for example, and then you've got another guy that he's working alongside. His first language is English, and they're looking at their, these plans that are written in English. But they're not quite sure what the engineering is telling them to do on a certain aspect of a building. And so they can put an Oculus, you know, Q or a VR, mm-hmm. you know, headset on, and they can connect with an engineer in India, who's up. You know, it's their it's their middle of the day, and so he's got his Oculus on. He's looking at the plans with him. He's speaking to him in his native tongue, but he's hearing it in his, in his own native tongue to be able to know what should be going on all because of this technology that exists or, or will continue to um, get better over the years with this, with this type of metaverse 3.0 technology.
2: Which is- yeah, I mean, it's still just new iterations of, this, of what we have now. Our phones that are in our pockets pretty much have the ability now without putting the goggles on you can jump on a call with somebody and have it still translated and have him looking on a screen because you sent him a picture of what you're looking at you know what i mean like yeah. i mean i don't think we need the goggles for that i think we're doing it now more or less like right now we're in the metaverse we're both on the same screen we're both talking to each other through the internet you know i'm i'm on in north carolina you're in arizona and we're you know we're talking about all the same things you know we put our goggles on and we're just 3d right this is 2d but the goggles on it is 3D. So I'm not too excited about that yet. That doesn't fire me up because I still think it's no different than what we're already doing. It's just 3D. It's kind of like we grew up watching, or, you know, well, not us, but yeah, I mean, grew up watching. There is a generation that grew up with comics and just reading comics. That's all 2D. I guess it's still 2D when you're watching it on TV, but the difference between a comic book and a Marvel movie now is, is incredible, right? Like and it, it is the same stories and very much like same vast majority of characters, but they're all on screen now. And it's all like it's special, right? It's all extra, but the comics at one point were great too. You know, that was a, that was a thing. Yeah. So they're still, they're still big. Comics are still big. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what point I'm trying to make there, but I think it's just still just, the next step in that right we put the goggle on and then we're we're all living in our basement still we're all still doing the same things in our house but now we can see the person like next to us instead of on the computer screen
1: yeah no you're definitely right about that And you know it's it's connecting people throughout the world it's connecting families even i mean even just the fact that over the last almost three years now we've been able to connect on zoom with family members that we usually would just talk to on the phone and you know FaceTime was a was a difficult thing to try to teach to my wife's you know uh, 93 and 89 year old parents right but they got them connected on zoom they got them a nice you know microphone and speakers so that they could hear well enough and and they were having you know family meetings or family you know calls that they would have on zoom. Every Sunday for a while, and then it slowed down to once a, you know once every once a month, the first Sunday of the month or whatever. But it, it's pretty cool technology. I I think from a construction standpoint, that's probably way more high tech than is normal, though.
2: Oh yeah, than what they're used to because they're just using their two ways. You know, they used to have their um, what were those nextels? You know, all the construction used to have their their nextels. Yep. this is a big Definitely. deal. Yeah, I don't like. I don't mean to downplay it, but it just it doesn't really excite me and surprise me.
1: Yeah. No, I get it. All right. So we've just got a few minutes left. So I'm going to turn the mic over to you. What what if we fast forward whatever, you you can choose three, five, seven, ten years from now, what's going to be different about the accounting industry than, than we see today? Or you can choose to just go with your own firm. What what's different about where you are or where do you see yourself in that period of time?
2: It's a good question. You know, we ask that question to a lot of guests and I can't even think of a good answer that I could regurgitate that they have said on our podcast. Um, Everybody's got their own take on things. I mean, I think it's it's, honestly, I don't think we're going to ever have a huge, huge shift like we did in COVID. COVID kind of sped stuff up. So I think you know, it's still going to be different iterations of what we're already doing. People are, are, are going to agree on certain things. There are going to be, there will be a standard way of doing certain things in the accounting world. I don't think that everything's going to be automated, but I think that we will have, we'll finally have a cloud tax platform that is not desktop based that works. I think that it'll be a lot more automated when it comes to taxes, but they're not going to be fully automated. I think there's going to be a lot more out of the box offerings for people to do their own stuff. And I think accountants are going to look more or less like advisors than bookkeepers and and tax fill the boxes, you know, and the people that are doing the very general low level compliance work aren't going to be out of a job if they know how to talk to their clients because it's the relationship that we're going to be selling more and more. And the advice that we can give and the the assistance that we can provide and just that, you know, it's kind of like what you guys do. It's that somebody that can kind of help make decisions. And when it comes to taxes or when it comes to just general, you know, business questions on what's working and what's not, because you have that scope of here's our client base and they're all a lot like you and this is what they're doing, you know. So it's um being able to provide that bridge. Between a lot of different people, practically speaking, and and that one client make a difference for them. So I think that's gonna be the key to a successful accounting firm then, and I think it still is now. So that's that's probably what'll be there. I don't think our firm's gonna change that much, except for I do hope that we have a single industry focus. If if I stick around, I I kind of want to either actually honestly, I, I probably just wanna start something new. You know, I think our client base is too broad and I would, I would like to start something from scratch and start something new that focuses on just this one and kind of, you know, start small, just like our, our other firm, just like my firm now and kind of grows into its own thing. But honestly, my direction shifts so much. I pivot all the time and I'm just like, I, I decide I want to do this. And then two weeks later, I want to do something else or a year later, my interests change. so. I don't know I got to stop listening to myself I got to start listening to others.
1: <laughs> no you're you're right though on that on the advice piece for sure because we've seen it in our own industry right I mean you're I'm sure you're familiar with Robinhood there's the e-trades of the world there's all these you know platforms that you can set up your own investment portfolio but financial planning is a lot more than just setting up an investment portfolio right just like accounting is a lot more than being compliant with your taxes right and so there's there's the advice that has to come into play and that's that's really where you differentiate yourself versus because if if you just want to compete on putting together a portfolio and then there's just a race to the bottom for fees right same thing with accounting and so I, i just it has to be around the advice and that professional background and expertise that helps people accomplish what they're trying to accomplish.
2: The future is in the people. It's not in the tech. We're going to revert back to being people again after we've put our goggles on and realized we need that real-life interaction. we we'll take our goggles off.
1: All right. So I'll put you on the spot then. If you don't have an answer, that's fine. But uh, you talk about being focused on one industry. So do you have an industry in mind that you'd want to be focused on if you started a new firm? Accounting. <laughs> So you want to be the accountant for accounting firms?
2: That would be kind of cool. It's an industry I know.
1: <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see how that comes together for you.
2: Otherwise, I, I maybe, um, I don't know. I mean, we are talking about psychiatrists, but honestly, that's not the greatest industry to be in either. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I don't like making those decisions. I feel like I'm leaving other stuff on the table. It's like um oh good choices sometimes too.
1: All right. Well, we're up against time, Scott, but uh Sons of CPAs, people can find you by listening to your, your podcast on Sons of CPAs. Where else can people track you down?
2: Twitter, I'm on there now. I jumped onto Twitter this early this year. It's just my name at Scott Scarano. I'm on LinkedIn, obviously. And uh yeah. They, about those are the two places. I only focus on blue apps. I don't really go expand out from there, but I, I can't say that anymore because I don't really go on Facebook. So just LinkedIn and Twitter, it's usually where I am. Gotcha. Poke around there every now and then.
1: Very cool. Well, Scott, thanks so much for the interview. Thanks for the opportunity to to have you on, uh, on our show. And thanks for having and me on. Stay yeah. in touch. Yeah, you bet. Yeah.
0: You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners.